Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and my guest today is kidney and pancreas transplant recipient, hiker, volleyball player and superstar fundraiser, Mark Smith. Mark chats to me about his experience with diabetes before his transplants, how he got into hiking and volleyball and his attitude towards life after transplant. He also shares an incredible story about meeting his donor's parents, some of his hiking challenges and which three people he'd like to go on a hike with, so please stick around to hear more. Mark is currently taking part in the 850 Challenge for Kidney Care UK, so if you'd like to donate, you can do so by having a look at the link in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen, so you don't miss an episode. Mark Smith, welcome to Transplant Take on Sport. Uh, good morning. Thank you for coming on. You are a kidney and pancreas transplant recipient and you are well into your hiking and you play volleyball at transplant games. But to start with, you've been doing a challenge this year uh, in aid of Kidney Care UK called the 850 Challenge. I actually got that wrong on Twitter the other day. I mentioned the wrong charity. It is, in fact, Kidney Care UK that you've been raising money for. And for those who aren't aware... What is the 850 Challenge and what made you decide to take it on? Well, I do lots and lots of challenges, uh, in ter- particularly in hiking over the years. And this year I wanted to do a, a challenge that was spread across the whole year. Uh, initially, I was looking at, at doing a thousand miles challenge. Um, but uh, Fiona Loud, who's uh, one of the main figures at Kidney Care UK, pointed out a challenge that had been set up in the States uh, called the 850 Challenge literally walking 850 miles through the year and obviously I know that's less than a thousand miles but what's important about the 850 number is it's representative of 850 million kidney patients throughout worldwide. That's a lot of people. Yeah I think it's around one in nine people Uh, so essentially that brings a pertinence to the challenge as well. It it brings in an awareness aspect too because you can use that figure and the challenge to raise the awareness of kidney disease worldwide, which for me felt a, a much better and more noble thing to do alongside obviously raising the money for uh, both Kidney Care UK and for Friends of Harrogate Hospital, uh, my local hospital here in Harrogate. There's more meaning to 850 miles, even though it's less distance than 1,000. There's more more of a connection to it for the reason that you're doing it. 
when Absolutely. did you start the challenge and how many miles have you walked so far? Um, I started the challenge on the 1st of January um, with the idea of being across the whole year. Um, I've got 213 miles left to walk. Uh, so what, 637 miles I've walked already this year. Um, and that's despite missing out two months of walking as well. I, I broke my little toe um, at one point. Um, so I missed out six weeks of that and then had to isolate uh, because all my family came down with COVID and we had to stay at home. Bizarrely, I didn't catch it at that time, but it still meant I couldn't go out and walk for obvious reasons. Def- definitely the best thing to do, stay in, keep yourself safe, keep everyone else safe. Absolutely. As a, as a podcast, as a, as a person, I'd encourage anyone who is in that position to do that. Apart from those, were there any more challenges along the way? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've done a few challenges o- over the years. Um, one of the biggest I did was in 2016, where I've walked Hadrian's Wall um, as a challenge. So I did 88 miles um, in six days. Um, that had a, a great honour um, with it, which was to walk with Madonna's mum. We'll come on to that now then. It's a, it's a great story. We we know that, as I said at the start, you've had a kidney and pancreas transplant, which came from a, a cadaveric donor. It did. With that sort of transplant, was it... Was a live donor ever an option? Was that out of the question because it was both organs? Um, it's pretty much out of the question, yes. Um, essentially, everyone needs a pancreas, so um, having a it's impossible to have a, a live donor, including a pancreas. Um, having the pancreas alongside the kidney was my choice. Um, it's not a, necessarily a given operation like a kidney would be if, with kidney failure when you get to that point where you need a transplant. Um, if you get to that point with a kidney and you need it, you can either get a cadaveric donor or you can get a live one from uh, family members or from, from anybody who, who wants to do that, which is a, a very great and noble thing to do. Um, with the pancreas, I was given that choice uh, and I, I made that choice to have it because I've been diabetic for many years. Um, it was a diabetes that caused the renal failure. And I felt at least having the pancreas would counter the diabetes causing any damage to the transplanted kidney. I was going to be on the immune suppression for life anyway. So fundamentally, the only and biggest difference to that operation was the length of operation it, it was. It also meant for me, it could open up a lot more doors than I'd ever had before, uh, at least spending some life without the uh, issue of diabetes that hung over me. And I used to have lots of really bad low blood sugars, which needed paramedic support. Um, I'd be driving home from work and used to have really bad low blood sugars where I crashed out um, in the car while I was driving and didn't even know it was happening. You know, so in many ways, I might not even be here uh, because of that disease. So going for a pancreas was pretty much a no-brainer. Sorry, I know we've dotted about a bit there. I just wanted to finish off a bit on the 850 challenge before we come right back into your transplant. Of course. Just to get that all in at the start. Um, where have you been on your hikes to complete that? Um, for the challenge, um, I do a lot of local walks, again, with the restrictions of not being able to go out to, to too many different places. But generally, I go up into the Dales. Um, up here in Harrogate, uh, we've got great access to uh, the Yorkshire Dales, up in Midderdale, um, Swaledale, um, um, all those sort of places, Wharfdale. Um, you, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. I'm, I'm right on the north side of Harrogate, so I can be out into the into Lidderdale within 20 minutes of walking from here. So most of the walks I've done from home, but when I do walk, I tend to go out and do 15, 20 
miles at a time. Um, I've done a few local peaks. I've done the Yorkshire Three Peaks as, as part of another challenge, which I also included with this challenge too. Um, so it's just really building up the miles, doing various walks locally rather than going out anywhere specific. Um, I've done part of the Ebor Way, which is out over York Way, um, and part of the Walds Way uh, on a family holiday over to um, the coast. Um, and I went did, and did some of that with my father-in-law. So just kind of dotted around really and, and just picked up the miles as and when, uh, quite often on my own, sometimes with company. And it just, it's amazing how quickly the miles add up. Definitely. You can you can see so many places, especially living where you are. It must be, especially this year that we've had and everything that's been going on, you've been able to get out into the country and just clear your head, really. Absolutely. I think that's really important as well from a, a, a physical fitness is a mental fitness uh, and being able to just ground yourself. And um, I got asked on Radio York once about going out walking in the middle of a pandemic when there'd be lots of people out walking and uh, should I be shielding at home and so on and so forth. But being an experienced walker, I have lots of access to lots of different um, programs that show me lots of different paths that a lot of people don't even know exist. So I'm able to plot routes that people aren't even aware of uh, and I never see anybody on those walks. And, and for me, that's part of walking. It's being able to go out into the great outdoors, just being part of nature, you know, hearing the sounds around you, the, you know, the rustling of the trees and the, the river as it runs past you and just the sound of the breeze. And I think little things like that can make such a difference to your mental health as well. Uh, and at the same time, raising that money makes it equally enjoyable. Absolutely. How much money have you actually raised so far? Um, I'm around about £350 just on this challenge uh, so far. I'm hoping to get up quite a lot by the time I've finished uh, the walk. It's one of these charity things that's a bit of a slow burner. Um, but I'm hoping as we get nearer to the end, we'll, we'll have a bit more of a, um, input into those funds. Is there anywhere people can go to donate if they'd like to? I'm sure if there is, I'll share it in the show notes, which will be above, below, wherever you're listening to now. Uh, there certainly is. I'm on uh, uh, justgiving.com uh, forward slash fundraising forward slash mark hyphen smith 850 there we go and that will be in the show notes below so if you if you'd like to donate if you can donate please go ahead and do that i'm sure mark and kidney care uk and friends of harrogate will be very much appreciative of that and now we'll come back into your transplant you you seem a very active person you enjoy your hiking yeah how much did taking part in sport physical activity before your transplant help to sort of counteract the natural decline in fitness that you see when you're going through such a serious illness? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't the sport, as sporty as I am now, um, and it's actually quite a marked difference between the things I did before uh, the transplant to what I do afterwards. Um, so essentially before the transplant, uh, hiking is a really good example. I was not particularly a keen hiker um, in any way. I, I used to actually think a bit of a chore, even just going into town to get stuff yeah you know i always thought you go for, for a walk because you need to go and get something from somewhere rather than just for the simple pleasure of going out walking <laughs> yeah. um, and, and there's a reason i believe that's that's changed which i'll come on to at, at some point um i obviously did do walks and did go out um and, and you know played little bits of football and, and and other sports but yeah i was not massively sporty before the transplants i was always too concerned particularly in those later years with how my diabetes was and how that was affecting me. Um, to kind of trust myself to go out and do any 
kind of big events, you know, I'd always be worried that if we went out walking, how much stuff I'd need to take with me to counter low blood sugars, you know, like taking lots of sugary drinks with me and, and bits and pieces. It didn't put me off entirely. It, you know, we got up to Paley Bridge, which is kind of 10, 15 miles away from here and do walks around there. Um, but that was pretty much the extent of, of the walking. But what I've always felt with diabetes, it, the, the one bonus of diabetes, if there is any, is you tend to eat a lot healthier than a lot of people do um, because you're not eating sugary snacks and sweets all the time and, and, and things. Nothing wrong with those, of course, but um, it's everything in moderation, isn't it? And with diabetes, you're kind of really forced to control that. So having that kind of diet really helped keep me, keep my fitness a lot. Um, I used to go uh, and do bits of cycling and, and bits and pieces. I had a brother who passed away who was a keen cyclist. Um, just bits and pieces like that, really. Um, the transplant saw a massive change in direction in terms of my sports levels and, and overall fitness, strangely. Why do you think that was? Well, I wanted to see the transplants as not just something that has saved my life, but it has had the potential to change my life. And I made a conscious decision that um, well, when I was in hospital in Manchester, I heard about the transplant games. So I wanted to get involved with that. And then we had a, an opportunity on a family holiday um, in Wales with my father-in-law to go climbing up Snowdon. And again, before the transplant, this was something I would have never even considered doing. And I thought to myself, this will be a really big thing to do. If I can achieve this, and it was still within my first year of the transplant, I thought this will really set a marker for what I can do. Um, it came alongside with helping kidney care as well with a few bits and pieces. I've been down to Parliament and spoken in Parliament as part of kidney care um, to talk about organ donation with them. And so that came a shoe in as well from a charity point of view. And what I always found interesting was my donor uh, was also a keen hiker. Now, whether I've got that from him, you can never absolutely categorically say, but it's nice to think that there's, a, there's something in that, that he used to go walking up in the lakes a lot. Um, and whether just something within him has been passed on to me uh, and enthuse that keenness of hiking into me is really really nice feeling to have it's like a nod to him as well at the same time it's a, it's a great story and if, if it has passed on from your donor uh, I'd, I'd better see if my dancing's improved hello mum <laughs> well you never know <laughs> <laughs> did your transplant all go smoothly has it been working well since you had it yeah it's been going really really well i've had a few teething issues in the early days and the diabetes that you know I was diabetic for 25 years and it's caused a lot of damage um, over, over the years um, uh, obviously I won't list off everything and anything that it, that it did but um, that first year of the transplants um, I used to intermittently have problems with my bladder which I think is down to neuropathy um, and post-transplants that came back with a vengeance so um, now I have to self-catheterize every day so um, essentially I can pass it mostly on my own but just to make sure it's truly empty I have to do that at least a couple of times a day. Um, I also ended up with a, a stomach infection which is called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth which gives you symptoms similar to Crohn's um, and IBS mixed together so it's not fun. Um, I'm on antibiotics and have been for years um, just to keep that down. And some days 
they work better than others. So um, some days I can feel absolutely lousy because of that condition. And I also have uh, pernicious anemia as well. Uh, and those things all came post-transplant. Um, also within that first year, I had some backing up onto my kidney. So I had to have a, a drain put back in for a couple of weeks. So it, it, it wasn't the first year wasn't amazing. Um, I dealt with quite a lot of stuff um, over there. And some of those conditions, as I say, I, I deal with day by day, even with all the hiking I do, I just kind of push them to one side and just get on with it. Um, other than that, yeah, the, the everything is working really, really well. Um, both kidney and pancreas. So the, the, the pancreas is about, yeah, it, it's working like an absolute dream. It's good to hear. Always nice to hear when somebody transplants doing well. And based on what you've said there, I didn't want to sort of break it up or stop the flow of your, your speech or whatever. A couple of questions that I've got on that. The uh, First of all, the fact you've had a pancreas transplant, does that, forgive me if this is ignorant, does that sort of cure the diabetes? No, it's classed as a, a, an extreme form of treatment. Similar so to I'm, a transplant then? It's not a yeah, transplant, it's not a cure, it's a treatment. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, on the same premise that when my kidney fails, I'd be onto dialysis, would need another transplant. When the pancreas stops working, um, I could just go straight back to having all the injections and everything that I would have had. Yeah, yeah. So technically, I'm still actually classed as a, I think if you're talking really technically, I'm classed as a, a, a transplant uh, recipient with a functioning pancreatic graft um which basically forestalls the diabetes while i have it i maybe worded that poorly then it's uh, yeah it all makes sense now so like i've had a, just a kidney transplant which isn't a cure it's a treatment for kidney disease so you're classed as having yeah. kidney disease but you're being treated by the transplant absolutely and while yes. i've got this transplant i'm not experiencing the same sort of effects of severe kidney disease that i had before with your pancreas, your yes, you you still you've got the functioning graft, but that's keeping the. I hope I'm wording this right. Keeping the the diabetic effects away for now. Absolutely right. Got yeah. it. So got when it. when as if and when it fails, and hopefully it won't fail for many many years. Um, yeah, I, I say I'll just go straight back onto injections and the, and the diet and everything that. that comes with it but boy am i enjoying every moment i have without <laughs> it diabetes is horrific and those people who have it who and know um uh, against those people who don't have it it is a truly awful thing to to live with um, it's the routine it had to follow it's just so tying and hard to to cope with even for the, the people who look after it really really well it can cause some uh, really nasty side effects over the years do you have to be more careful with what's sometimes referred to as post-transplant diabetes uh no i've never had any issues with that at all and um, you can get it um but no i've not had any any issues at all with that strangely enough um and, and thankfully too good good to hear. and you mentioned self self-catheterization in there I've, i'd never heard of it i've never heard anyone do it before until yeah. this podcast you know the second person mentioned that <laughs> And I'm sure people may now be curious as to like if it happened to them or what may come in the future. Yeah. And now I know the other, I'm not going to give away names, but you may have listened to that already. Um, they catheterized through their belly button through some, a procedure that sort of linked it to the bladder. So are you, yeah. are you that way as well, or are you the more traditional method? Mine's the more traditional method. Um, I, I don't know which is the better of the two, to be honest. But um, um, yeah, it's just because of the, the diabetes um, end up with 
uh, neuropathy um, across various parts of my body. Um, you, most common one is in my feet, so I have neuropathy in my right foot um, and uh, I have a lot of issues caused by neuropathy. Uh, and the bladder is one of them. So essentially, without um, wanting to be too technical, um, see so sphincter muscles in your bladder which control your output. Um, those don't work properly. So when I try and pass uh, and go to the bathroom, not everything comes out when I go. So um, I basically, for want of a better way of putting it, stick a tube in and it just drains the rest off just naturally, well, as naturally as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on from the the, sort of the, the illness side, after you'd had your transplant and you'd recovered from that, how long did it take you to regain your fitness again? And how did you start to build it up? Um, on the day I got home, um, I went and did a, a walk around the block, um, literally the day I got home, because I didn't want to just hang around and wait for, for things to get better. I knew the only way to recover from such a big operation and to give it its best chance of survival was to get myself reasonably fit. And yeah, it just it started on day one, a uh, little what, 400 metres walk, uh, and then it was, I think it was about nine months later, um, I was climbing up Mount Snowdon, and, and that was the biggest difference. And for me, building that fitness up to get to that level um, was a huge achievement, and it really felt I could push on from that. And the fitter I felt, it felt for me that it gave my transplants a much better chance of lasting a long time as well, um, you know, just from a circulation point of view and, and a health and fitness point of view and uh, sort of oxygenate, oxygenated blood and, you know, you know, you know all, this, all the things that really helps you with your fitness. Um, and that's what I wanted to give my transplants the better chance of survival as I could possibly give it. Did you have any set goals or targets that you wanted to hit or a, a task you wanted to complete by a certain time? Uh, not particularly. I didn't set out any. Set out to do any planning as such. I just knew that I wanted to go bigger and further and harder each time I went out. Um, so from uh, doing uh, Snowden, the next challenge I wanted to undertake was the Yorkshire Three Peaks. So I set out with a plan to do that. Um, I set out a plan to uh, go and do lots of mountain climbing or walking i'm not a climber but certainly lots of walks up, up big mountains and and increase the distance each time you know certainly over the course of a few of the months leading up to the walk just build that distance up get to the point where actually doing the three peaks was actually shorter walk than i would just do on a normal training walk and that's that was my plan really was to do something bigger than the actual challenge i was going to undertake uh, and that's a routine I've stuck to. So you've got a great attitude towards it, keeping fit, pushing yourself harder each time. What was the sort of time frame from transplant to Snowden to Yorkshire Three Peaks? Uh, well, I did, um, let's say it was around about nine months after the transplant when I did um, Snowden. Um, I did the Three Peaks in uh, May 2015, so it was about six years after the transplant, just short of six years. Um, and um, I also took on after after May, um, the literally the following month, I did uh, Ben Lomond up in Scotland, um, because again I achieved that fitness. I wasn't going <laughs> to let it go to waste, um, so I took on Ben Lomond, which was a, a, a tough mountain to climb. It's it's no easy mountain that. Um, and then Hadrian's Wall was literally the year after, 
um, and that was where we did 88 miles over over six days. I've written it down here. Ben Lomond is 3,195 feet, which is it's, yes, it's tall. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not shabby at all to to do that. And what was a real treat with that, just a, as an aside, was we got to the top and it was a beautiful, warm, clear, sunny day, and we could see right down all the way down to the bottom of Loch Lomond. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And from the top of it, it was just immensely glorious. That I think that's one of the key things about these these big hikes that you've done through mountains and and everything like that, and something that I'd like to do without giving away too much. I'd quite like to get into the of where I am. I'd quite like to get into the peaks over the next year. Yes, but yeah, you mentioned Hadrian's Wall in there, eighty eight miles that you completed, and that yeah. was with your donor's mum. Yeah, how did it feel to meet your donor's parents as you met both? And was that something that since you'd had your transplant, you'd you'd sort of you'd always wanted to do since then? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the, the, the story of how we came to meet, um, I think, because that's quite pertinent to your question. Um, not long after my transplant, I wrote to uh, my donor family, um, just because, like most transplant recipients, you want to say thank you. And I know for a lot of people that those words don't come easy, and not everybody writes, and that's totally understandable. Um, and it was on the anniversary of the um, my donor's death that um, I got a letter back. Um, part of the diabetes event, we couldn't, me and my wife couldn't have children naturally, so we've gone through um, three lots of IVF leading up to the transplant, none of which had worked. And we were allowed to have another attempt post-transplant, and that one worked. So I wrote back to my donor family 
And essentially, the people doing the IVF treatment said they wouldn't carry on if I ended up on dialysis. You know, they had to take into consideration the care of any children we may have and my ability to look after them, um, given I was going to be the stay-at-home parent. So indirectly, you could argue that that gift came at a time which meant we could go back and do the IVF. And then it worked. So we felt that letting my family know, the donor family know that indirectly their son's gift had helped us have a have a daughter was really important and they obviously were really really chuffed and they'd set up a charity in the, their son's name um, i won't go into all the details but their son was a victim of manslaughter and so their charity works around that um, and they wanted to use some of my letter i wrote to them as part of their charity work and i actually said you know, i'd be quite happy to come over and be more involved directly and, and that's really how we got to meet um, actually met them um, in 2011 and um, just a couple of years after the transplant and we actually ended up on daybreak one morning uh, which was hilarious we got to have breakfast with steps in, in the green room <laughs> and things much my wife's delight who's a steps fan um, so that's how we initially met um, and then when I decided to do Hagen's Wall in 2016 I'd set it up for quite a while and was going through the process of raising some money for it and, and what the walk was going to be and how it's going to work and my donor's mum, Pat, got in touch with me a few weeks before and said, do you mind if I come on that walk with you? How could you say no to that? I mean, oh, yeah. it, was just, it, it was, it was, I was so immensely proud to have her along and to be able to just spend that quality time with the mother of her son who had given me that gift. It was hugely emotion, emotional and everyone we met was just gobsmacked and quite blown away by the two of us doing that route together. It must have been such a special six days of walking that you could do it with her. Yeah, uh, I was um, hugely honoured that, that she was there with me. Um, and for her as well, I think she felt honoured too in a, in, a, in a way because it felt to her like she was walking with part of her son. It's a, it's a great story. It must For both of you, it must be just be an unbelievable feeling. Have you done much hiking before that? Um Apart from the three peaks and the, the other mountains, um, I hadn't done um, walking over consecutive days before. Um, as part of my training, I made myself do that, um, but certainly not leading up to um, Hagen's Wall. That's the, the most number of days I've walked in one go, or, or certainly over a number of days consecutively that, that I'd ever taken on. So certainly, yes, the three peaks is a tough challenge. Ben Lomond is a tough challenge, but they were all single day walks. And to walk for six days over some of the Hedges Wall Walk, which some of it is not easy. Um, you know, you go right through the middle of the country, it's it's up and up and up, um, right through the middle of Northumberland. And to do that, you have to be really, really fit. Uh, uh, so to get that level of fitness, to be able to do that, again, was just another achievement for me. It, it pushed me, my own barrier, further than it had been before. Had your donor's mum done much training or hiking? beforehand nope um she used, does um running um and she occasionally takes part in the the, the odd half marathon uh, which is probably perfect training and um, i'm not a runner so i can't equate yeah. hiking to running and um, my knees after if i try to run 100 meters my knees say what do you think you're doing <laughs> um, but um from terms of walking no uh, when she joined me she she literally had about a week's training oh wow before she joined me uh, she ended up with lots of blisters and, and everything, but she was able to raise some money for her own charity as well as being part of 
what we were doing. On the topic of charity, how much it was for Kidney Care UK, your side again, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. How much did you raise? Um, for when I did Hagen's Wall, um, it's just short of eighteen hundred pounds. Nice, nice work. Good, good. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'll, I'll, I'll big you up now. You've raised. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You raised sixteen thousand pounds for charity to date. Uh, it's approaching seventeen thousand. I know it's small, small differences, but yes, um, um, it's uh, it's just coming up to about seventeen thousand pounds to date. Which uh, not all of it walking, um, which I'll explain in a bit. But um, yeah, hugely proud. It's far more than I ever imagined I would ever raise for charity. Ever had no plan to raise that amount of money, um, and I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm immensely proud that I've been able to do that. It's a fantastic achievement. And for context, the 16,000 was a figure that I, I believe that you'd written on a message to me, I think, earlier this year. So yes. in that time, yeah. you've gone from 16,000 to nearly 17,000, which, again, yeah. the acceleration is still there and you're keeping going. It is. Um, yeah, um, through the pandemic, when I couldn't walk, just, just to sort of paint a little picture of where some of that money's come from, obviously I've got the... The 350 I'm raising currently um, but I also did um, when I really couldn't go out anywhere and to help keep my fitness up and um, I hadn't been on a bike for years and years and years I, I lost a younger brother in a road accident many years ago when he was only 21 so bikes for me were not the not evil but they're just not something I was comfortable being yeah. on um, and through the pandemic because I knew I had my my walk still to come and um, I wanted to keep some of that fitness up and my mum and dad brought around their exercise bike and I decided one day that I was going to cycle 100 miles in a day um, and I did that um, and that raised a, a, a good, I think it was about four or five hundred pounds doing that uh, just on its own uh, with a nice little stint on Radio York the day after uh, talking about it and a little piece about mental health as well and things. Um, so yeah, so, so not every penny has come from from walking there have been a few other bits and pieces as well um, and in fact hiking has not been the main contributor to that figure and um, uh, more than half that figure came from a, a single event which i will come on to at your at your convenience go may as well go for it now yeah okay well um, um in 2016 um some months after i'd walked hadrian's wall um, and as a result of the neuropathy in my foot i was doing a, a walk up near mallon in the dales and my foot slipped uh, on a walk just coming down a, a dry waterfall and it just felt like I'd twisted my ankle a little bit and um, what I'd actually done was broken the bones in the middle of my foot all the little bones all the metatarsals in, in, your, in your foot uh, I apologize if I've got the wrong bones but it's all the little ones in the, in yeah, the middle yeah. of your foot and um, I didn't know about it for some weeks uh, until my foot was really swollen and I'd lost the arch in my right foot and I ended up being in a walking boot, um, sorry, just a, one of those moon boots yeah, and, yeah. And, a, and a cast for probably about six months or so altogether. Uh, and I was told I'd probably only be able to walk maybe five or six miles on a flat. You know, it was devastating for me at the time. So it felt my walking days were over. Walking five or six miles to me felt, well, most people can do that. And it didn't feel that it was anything particularly special you know, to be able to do that. Um, so I've had to be really patient to build my foot back up. But in the meantime, I also didn't want to be idle raising money. So I decided, it just popped into my head one day, why don't I do a charity dinner? Never held one before, had no idea what I was doing. 
Um, a year later, um, we had 180 guests at a hotel in Harrogate, including the mayor and mayoress, um, and we raised a we make well a profit of over um, eleven and a half thousand pounds. Oh wow! Uh, during that charity dinner, and um, it was hugely successful. And um, so many people want me to do a second one. <laughs> obviously, pandemic aside, of course, um, and one will happen at some point in the future when it's it's relatively safe to do so. Um, so yeah, that's where a significant amount of the, the the money has come from, just from that one single event. And um, that's it all helps and it all helps patients and you know kidney care support a lot of people um, up and down the country with grants and support and help transplant support as well and uh, various bits and pieces so i like to think you know even doing the charity dinner and even the small amounts of raise it all makes a massive difference to them absolutely you're doing a lot of good for the charity and also for people in our position who've had kidney transplants or are suffering from kidney disease or dialysis whatever stage they're at you're doing a lot to help them so thank you for that and hopefully it continues and you can you can raise more money for the charity to help more people out i've got a couple more questions on hiking before we move on to your volleyball when you do these long walks that last a few days like hadrian's wall where do you sleep do you wild camp uh no i think i've got to i've got too many things to to deal with health wise yeah. to to do that um particularly with the, the, the catheters and the, and the potential of my stomach having going wrong. So how we planned Hager's Wall is we, we walked from um, the Solway Firth side and walked across to Newcastle. So we spent a couple of days in a, in a travel lodge in Carlisle. Um, we got a bed and breakfast at, you know, halfway across and then for the uh, latter half uh, of the walk, um, we rented a, a cottage out at somewhere i can't remember the name of the place but we um, we rented a cottage out and the family came up so we had somewhere to stay every night that at least had um, you know decent facilities that, that we could use and just be a little bit more comfortable and um, yeah while camping is um, i'd love to do it um but i think my other conditions would probably make it a bit tricky yeah that makes sense and you've made it sounds like you made a smart decision there another question came in i asked for some listener questions on social media uh, if you'd like to get involved with that, you can. Uh, if, if you follow all the Transplants Take on Sport social media pages, that's at Transplants Take on Sport Pod on Facebook and Instagram, and at TTOS Pod on Twitter. Before uh, the day before the recording, I'll put something out on there saying who's coming on, what they do, what the sports are, what the transplants are, um, and there'll be a little question box on Instagram, or you can comment them, DM them, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. However, you want to get in touch. Um, and if you do that, you can also find out who's coming on the podcast before they do and have the chance to feature by asking your question. And this week, we've got a question from Karen, who says, could you ask Mark who he would most like to walk with? Oh, <laughs> no, that's a really, really good question. Um, who would I like to most walk with? Um, I can't think of his name. I can picture him. Um, the uh, What's his name? I'm really not very good at remembering people. Is this a, people's somebody names. well known, or yes? Um, well, I, 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 from a, a Hollywood point of view, I'd like to walk with Kirsten Dunst, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> um, he's the um, professor um, who does all the astrophysics. Brian Cox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'd love to go walking walking with him because um, I, that's just a sort of personal interest of mine. Is Sort of be able to talk about space and planets and, and all that sort of stuff. I just think it would be an amazing experience to do that. I've got to slightly flip that question. 
to one that's a, a, quite a common question people get asked in it's, it's normally a, a dinner situation you could <laughs> pick th- three people dead or alive to go on a hike with who would they be um three people dead or alive um one would be uh, um einstein i think he'd yep. be really really interesting um Julius Caesar. Okay. Yeah, really. I um, I did an archaeology degree at university, so uh, Roman history is a, a, a particular interest of mine. I think it'd just be really interesting to kind of get his mindset and, and find out more about the sort of person he is. And um, I don't know, um, Freddie Mercury. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. you got your entertainment there. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm a, a big Queen fan, and uh, I think walking with him would be would, would be entertaining in itself. Good, good mix there. Very good mix. What sort of hikes or challenges have you got planned next, if any? Yeah, I'm planning on two next year. Um, so this this year, the the nice thing about the 850 challenge is um, I've not necessarily had to go and do big walks um, each each week. Um, some weeks I've just broken them down into small walks, and and that's fine. Um, what I plan to do is go back to my more traditional kind of distance walks but over a, a week so i'm looking at two uh, so 35 mile walk um, which although doesn't sound very far for, for what i can do and um, this one's to be done over 24 hours and it's walking from the top of a place called sutton bank uh, which is between us and the coast um kind of kind of first way Morton way over it, sort of more towards east yorkshire and um, to the top of rosebury topping which is in the cleveland hills um, so straight up north from there, um, 35 miles, 24 hours. Um, so that'd be quite a challenge um, to walk for that length of time in, in one go. will be different to anything I've done before. And again, it just keeps pushing that barrier a little bit further. And the other one is one I've, I've found, uh, I've recently joined the Long Distance Walkers Association, which has given me access to lots of different paths that even I didn't know existed. Um, and there's one that goes from a place called Ketterwell up in the Dales and it comes all the way down to um, Langsett uh, in the Pennines and um, it's called the Yorkshire Waterway uh, it's 104 miles and um, you walk past 20 different reservoirs around about 16,000 foot climbing in total uh, of that distance and that's what I'm planning for next year as well. A lot to look forward to and challenges but also interesting places to see and I think yeah it, I've been out walking a lot during the, the lockdowns that we've had and the the breaks from lockdown when it's been easier to get out for walks um, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's something I'd like to do more of in these sort of away from my local area getting out into the into the mountains hills wherever you want to go so yeah, yes. it's, it's it's definitely a good thing to do and oh, you, definitely. you're not only a keen hiker you have taken up volleyball what led to that yeah, this is a, a throwback to, um, to to my brother that's not with us anymore. Um, just for the, this um, sake of inclusion, I do have another brother who's still alive. So um, I'm the eldest of three. My, my little brother's actually in the police force um, uh, and, and you know lives far away from us. So we, we, we do speak quite often, but not as often as we'd like. But that's that's that. Um, but my middle brother, is um, he really enjoyed playing volleyball. And it's something I was always used to go and play with him from time to time. Um, and with the transplant games, it just became uh, something that I wanted to do. I think the first transplant games I went to was in Sheffield in 2013. And I took an archery and tennis and stuff like that. But 
just because I wanted to do have a go at stuff. Yeah. And then um, uh, the following year, it was when I went back. It was um, it was volleyball um, that became the thing, and I found out. I, I don't want to sound funny, but it found out I was reasonably good at it and, and good enough to actually compete um, for medals. Uh, and we all know the Transplant Games isn't about winning the medals. It's about the camaraderie and the taking part and yeah. meeting fellow students and just celebration of that life that we've got that we, we might not have had. Um, but as, alongside that, it gave me the opportunity to just go that little bit step further and you probably discovered by now, probably realised by now, I'm quite competitive with myself. And uh, to be able to go and actually achieve something like that and have the potential to win medals was a, a real was a real push for me to be able to do that. Um, and I think, um, yes, in 2018, when we last had the Transplant Games, um, or 2019, the years keep vanishing into obscurity these days. I think it was 2019. Yes, um, um, and it's in Newport in Wales, um, and I won a, a, a bronze medal. Oh, in well, well it, it, just to put into context, it was two days after um, I did a 17-mile walk in the Brecon Beacons with four mountains in one day, um, 10 hours of walking on what's probably the hottest day of the year. Uh, and then two days later, I, I got that bronze in the, in the volleyball. Um, so that, for me, was alongside the other charity achievements and that one wasn't for charity that was just for fun yeah believe it or not um, you look back on it and think that would have been a great charity walk if i'd known um or thought about it but yeah that again pushed that that boundary for me and showed me what my body and what people could be capable of if they choose to do that absolutely you got plans to go to more transplant games and possibly even try and get yourself into the world transplant games um We'll see about the World Transplant Games. Um, yeah, the next one's going to be in Leeds. And of course, here in Harrogate, we are not far away from Leeds at all. So it's it's almost like the, the home games for me in a way. Uh, so yes, I will definitely be going back and uh, and doing the Transplant Games there and, and doing the, taking part in the volleyball again. Maybe see if we can change that colour of the medal. Well, fingers crossed. And hopefully see you there in Leeds next year. Mark, it's been a pleasure to chat to you today. I think your attitude on on the whole transplant life and pushing yourself forward, staying active really is inspirational and people can learn a lot from what you've said today. One more question before we go and regular listeners will know it's the one I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? Um, don't see it as a, a life sentence or as the, the end of what your life might have been. When I, and part of the reason I can go and do inspirational talks, so obviously my story is a lot more, detail to, to, to what we've talked about today and it's because I saw my transplant as an opportunity um, not as a barrier um, so it's an opportunity to open doors to a life I never imagined was possible it was an opportunity to take on a new way of living that was better than one I ever had before one that I could ever imagine before and that's what you had to hold on to it's the prospect of what's coming that you can control that you can make of your life and how you can build on that life to make your life as good and as successful as possible. And a transplant can help you achieve that. I know it can't be achieved by everybody because we all have our own physiology to deal with and you know people do have issues and I totally respect those. Um, but if you have the wherewithal to do it, it's an opportunity. And an opportunity to grasp with both hands and live that life. Absolutely. And there we go. 
thanks again to Mark for coming on the podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, if you're liking the podcast, you've listened to a few, please do tell your friends about it as it anyone can listen to this, whether you've had a transplant or not, whether you're into sport or not, whether you play or not, or if you don't fall into any of those categories. I hope you can find something and take something from the inspirational and uplifting stories from the guests that come on and have a chat and open up about their experiences. Uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, that is the most listened to or most used app to listen to the podcast on. So it would mean a massive amount to me if you could go and rate the podcast five stars on the show page, uh, as it really does help more people discover the podcast on there. And if you're feeling extra helpful, if you leave a five-star review, uh, all reviews that are five stars will be um, will be read out at the end of the podcast in this section here. I know last week when I was talking to Ryan, I mentioned the ACAST supporter feature that's somebody else's voice at the start of the podcast that says, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do. That was after previous guest Ray donated a very generous, I've got to say, £200 uh, to help the podcast going forward. I didn't actually say where where that link was. So if you scroll, if, this is only if you want to, no pressure at all to donate. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes, there'll be a link that says, I think it'll say supported or acast.support or something like that. Uh, that's where you can go if you'd like to donate. Uh, as I said before, this podcast is now every four weeks because I'm, once this is out, I'm back at university. So please do keep supporting. Thank you for your support so far. This is not going anywhere. We are keeping this going for as long as possible. Thanks once again to my guest today, Mark Smith. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.